and welcome everyone to this online conversation hosted by the European Centre for International Political Economy on the economic and broader societal value of intellectual property, or IP, for the EU and its member states. My name is Jackie Davis, and today I'm very pleased to welcome Neil Nariman to this conversation. Neil is president of FESI, the European Federation of the European Sporting Goods Industry, a sector which is a key target for the counterfeiters, not least because many of the best-known brands in the world are sports brands. The recent DTIPE study on the benefits of intellectual property rights in EU free trade agreements considers the role of strong IP provisions in tackling counterfeiting. So it is great to have you with us today, Neil, to discuss this. Neil, let's just start by getting a sense of, of what we're talking about here. I know that counterfeiting is a significant problem in figures worldwide for counterfeiting. It costs the economy hundreds of billions of euros. It's believed to represent something like 5 to 10% of global trade. But for you and for your sector, how big a problem is it? First of all, thank you very much for the for the invitation and giving me the, the forum to speak about this uh, huge problem, not only for our sector, but for the European industry as such. When it comes to the sporting goods industry, we are still facing a huge problem when it comes to counterfeiting worldwide, not only in, in Europe, but uh, it's, a, it's a global problem, especially since a couple of years, almost 10 years, uh, when it comes to online counterfeiting, which is much harder to tackle than traditional way, if I may put it like this, of counterfeiting, when goods were shipped in big containers from A to B, and customs only had to stop these containers. But um, it has become very, very difficult when it comes to the internet, to detect the goods, to validate the goods, and uh, to enforce our rights in the digital world. When it comes to losses and damage, of course, as you stated, there's, there's a huge economic damage also to, to our industry. But I have to say it is very, very difficult to estimate or to to put actual numbers on it, obviously. To put, to put, to put actual in, numbers in, on it. In yeah. some cases, they're so successful, we don't know. Um, <laughs> so it is, it is hard to measure. And I'm wondering, come back to this later, whether that is part of the problem, because it's difficult to put numbers on it, difficult to get the political attention sometimes it perhaps deserves. One other thing, before we come to the role of intellectual property in fighting counterfeiting, yeah. I'm just wondering as well, we're in an era where we talk a lot about the green transition, the transition to a circular economy and recycling is on the rise um, and I'm, I'm just wondering is there also an environmental angle to all of this because you're producing your products to certain standards which the counterfeiters may not be I would say that this touches uh, two aspects first of all the efforts of our industry to become more circular to become more sustainable to use materials in our products that uh, are more sustainable, that can be recycled. There are huge projects uh, that are dealing with inventing new materials, products that are made of uh, one material that can be recycled in, in, in one piece, for instance. But of course, in order to get these 
products to the market, first of all, this material has to be invented. Then uh, you have to find companies in the recycling industry that are prepared to recycle these products and put it back into the production process. This is uh, a huge investment that uh, our industry is taking here. And I, I doubt that, that counterfeiters will follow this path because uh, it is just too costly for them. They tend to use materials that are very cheap, that are not sustainable, that cannot be put in a circular uh, recycling process. The second aspect is that uh, we have to deal with enormous numbers of counterfeited goods that we are kind of responsible for. So whenever we seize products, it is not the counterfeiter that has to store these goods, uh, has to pay for the storage, has to pay for the destruction of these products. And our industry also needs to find ways, and we are already on the way to it, to, to have these products also recycled in a in a sustainable way. So it's, a, it's at both ends of of the chain. It's in, in rewarding the investments uh, in those more sustainable, environmentally friendly processes and materials. And also, as you say, at the end, uh, when disposing of them, when you find them. So in all of this, when you look at the ESIPE study, among its key takeaways, one of them is that IP is effective against counterfeit goods. Can you explain how IP helps to address this challenge? It all starts with IP. In order to enforce our rights, first you, you, you need to have these rights registered, no matter if it's trademarks, design patents, or utility patents. Without that kind of protection that is given by intellectual property, uh, you could not en enforce your rights at all. So a company like my company or all the companies uh, in the sporting goods industry they have to make sure that they have IP protection on a global scale in order to enforce their rights in each and every country in the world. So whenever uh, a certain product with our brand is being seized, we can only file a criminal complaint or other administrative remedies if we have the, the according rights. So if, if we seize a shoe bearing our trademark, you need to have a trademark for shoes. So that's why intellectual property is crucial. And as you say, specifically, uh, given that your brands are global, absolutely crucial when it comes to trade. And I mentioned that figure earlier of overall, not just in your sector, but overall, the counterfeiting market believed to represent 5 to 10% of global trade. That's quite a staggering figure. What do you think the implications are? What the EU needs to be doing? From what I know from, from my own experience when it comes to enforcing uh, the rights of my, my, my company, it's not so much about the lack of legislation in certain regions or countries in this world. It's more about the actual enforcement on the ground. So how this legislation, how these laws are applied and if these countries when it comes to the procedures these rules are really applied by the authorities 
But do you see a role there, therefore, for the EU once it has negotiated accords? You're saying that for you is not the particular problem. It's the implementation. It's the enforcement. Is there a role? Is there more that the EU can and should be doing to ensure that countries do enforce the rules effectively? I think there was a comparison drawn between the FTAs that the United States uh, are negotiating and the ones that the EU is negotiating. And it it was said that uh, uh, in, in the US free trade agreements, there are more and more particular provisions regarding IP. If it was the case that the, the US FTAs were better than the EU FTAs, uh, our colleagues from, uh, from, from the US, like uh, Nike or Under Armour, they would not have the same problems as, for instance, European brands like Adidas and, 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 and Puma, for instance. I would say what is different when it comes to enforcing your rights from a policy perspective is that the US is really taking care in certain regions, in certain countries, to have their rights of, of their companies, US companies, enforced by giving it more importance than, uh, for instance, countries uh, from, from the EU. Mm. Um, just to give you an example, you will find in most countries in the US embassy, not only a military attaché or a cultural attaché, but also an IP attaché who is really trying to lobby and putting pressure on uh, the governments of certain countries to have the rights of U.S. companies enforced in those countries. The U.S. is putting a huge economic pressure on certain countries if the IP rights of their companies is not respected. And Neil, you're talking there about the U.S. putting pressure. I'm wondering here whether if the EU isn't doing the same, is this because uh, member states, EU governments, are not themselves putting pressure uh, for that more effective approach uh, to implementing rights, to enforcement? And, and if they're not, what would you say to them about the impact this has, uh, not just on your sector, but on, on the broader economy if they don't do this? What was really disappointing for our industry, as you as you know, the Digital Service Act uh, and the, um, the the respective directive is currently under under review, and the EU Parliament had the chance to vote for more rights for the right holders and to give right holders more protection, especially when it comes to the internet. And the vote uh, on 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 these provisions. Uh, was very, very disappointing for the industry. So when it comes to know your business customer or state down provisions, a harmonized uh, notice and takedown procedure for service providers on the, on the internet, this was all rejected by the EU parliament. So they had a chance to make the internet a safer place, not only for for the industry, but especially for the consumer. A consumer doesn't know if he's buying fake goods in the internet. Counterfeiters are hiding behind fake names, fake addresses. We don't know who is behind these illicit businesses because they can, they can just do their business and trade on, on internet platforms, online platforms, online markets. Uh, without giving their real identity, which 
makes it difficult for the consumer to find out where uh, and who sold them counterfeit goods. And it makes it very, very difficult for us to find the real stakeholders behind all this illicit business and to enforce our rights against these people. And as you say, uh, in a period when we've seen an explosion in online shopping uh, because of the COVID pandemic, something that perhaps uh, governments haven't woken up to, the need to do more uh, in this area. So presumably you would say to them, now is the time to act. We need to make sure these rights are enforced properly wherever in the world uh, we are trading in order to tackle this issue. And and in the end, because consumers often don't understand what the problem is and why IP rights matter so much, but explaining there also uh, why it's important for the public as well as for companies. Yeah, we, we are currently in the in the in the trilogue, so so there's still hope that some of these provisions that we are fighting for uh, will find their way into the respective directives. But we urge the the the, the policymakers in, in in Brussels really to listen to us and to make the internet a safer place. If they will not impose regulations on service providers to make the internet safer, to to have, like in the analog world, no company can trade if they are not registered with the commercial registry. In the internet, everybody can can trade without giving their their names or addresses and uh, hide behind fake contact details. Thank you very much indeed, Neil. Uh, as you say, an absolutely vital to issue to address, vitally important for the economy, for global trade, uh, and that issue of enforcement, which perhaps we focused on less in many of these conversations. We tend to talk about what the, what needs to be negotiated, but as you're pointing out there, making sure then it is enforced, it is implemented, absolutely crucial. So, Neil, uh, thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure talking to you over the next few months, we'll be unpacking the findings of this ESIPE study through a series of activities that include events, podcasts and blogs that allow a range of experts to share their views. As part of this, we're focusing on several exciting topics, including among others, the European Green Deal, the EU's industrial strategy, pharmaceutical innovation, biotech and healthcare, the machine equipment sector, the importance of IP for the EU's small and medium-sized enterprises, for the services sector, and how IP can combat biodiversity loss. We invite you to join the discussion on social media using the hashtag IP in EUFTAs and to follow our trade and IP webpage at esipe.org for all future updates. Goodbye. <laughs>